from there. Um, uh, but uh, but let's uh, let's read the text together. We're we'll reading from Acts uh, one fifteen to twenty six. And in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of the persons was about one hundred and twenty, and said, "Brothers, the, the scriptures have to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand." by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered among us, and was allotted his share in the ministry. Now a man, now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle, and his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, and that is the field of blood. For, for, for it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let another one dwell in it, and let another one take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness of, to his resurrection. And they, put for, and they put forward Joseph called Barabbas, who was called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You who knows the heart of all, of you Lord who knows the heart of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and the apostleships of which Judas has turned aside to go to his own place. And he cast lots, lots for them, and the lot fell on the tithes. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, now as we've read the text, um, uh, let's just catch us up to where we are in the, in the book of Acts and in the story. Uh, Jesus had had just given them commands, they had promised them that they were going to be witnesses uh, about his resurrection, and then he ascended, and <coughs> he told them to go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. So last week, Jesus ascended, and this is uh, in between the ten days from his ascension to the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. So they're in this room, the 120, and Jesus gets, not Jesus, Peter gets up and speaks, um, and he says uh, that's kind of where the word of war as well um, so what Peter, what Peter is experiencing is as he gets up is he's reminded about these two passages from the Psalms and and he also remind, he's also reminded what uh, what um, what also uh, Jesus says, and he also says it to John the Baptist, who's like, John is like, I don't, I can't baptize you, and Jesus says, well, let's do it to fulfill the scriptures and all righteousness. So Peter gets up and says, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, and some smart people who knows what that fulfilled means means it's a divine necessity. This had to happen. Judas was was going to betray. He affirms then that not only David 
But in, as David is, write, as, is writing the Psalms, he is inspired. He is inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says there. Uh, the scriptures have to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David, according to Judas. But then you, when you go to the Psalms, you're like, it, says, it doesn't say Judas here. Uh, in Psalm uh, 69 and 109, it doesn't say, hey, Jesus is going, uh, Judas is going to do this. Um, so you can't look it up in the Psalms that Judas was the person. But David is speaking prophetically about the suffering servant. He's speaking prophetically about Jesus. And then prophetically, Jesus' enemies, or, or the psalmist prophetically says, well, the ones that are, that are, are hunting the suffering servant are his enemies. So when we look at these psalms, uh, smart people call them the royal psalms. They refer to Jesus. Uh, the, there are also something else, which sometimes is a, what we call it, is a, is not so it's not so um, what do you call it today? It's not so it's not so popular to say, but they call them predatory psalms, which is a fancy word for God punish my enemies psalms. Um, so they're both royal psalms about Jesus prophetically. But also that the one persecuted is asking God to punish his enemies. Um, so, uh, so Peter talks about what happened and how Judas had this like he had he had been given this he had been given this ministry along with all the others. But uh, what did he do instead? So from Matthew 26 and 14, 16, and 27, 3 and 8, we're going to read. This is just a little more of the story there. This is a Judas seeking to see how can he gain if he turns in Jesus. Then one of the twelve whose name was Judas Issachar went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. 27, 3, 10. Then Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned. He changed his mind. He brought back the pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders and said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? Say it to yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. So you can say, Peter says that he buys the field himself, but here we see what happens. But the chief priest taking the pieces of silver said, it's not luck for us to put it into the offering, um, because it's blundering. So they took counsel, and they bought with it the potter's field, a burying place for strangers. Therefore the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, and the book and they took 30 pieces of silver, the price of him who a price has been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed So Jesus agrees on this price of 30 coins of silver. He regrets and throws it back in the temple. 
the leaders, they can't burn their off in the offering. They're like, what are we going to do? So instead they buy this field, which was prophesied. Peter quotes these two Psalms. Psalm 90, no, 69 and 100. Let's look at this and see if you can recognize some of it. Um, for seal of your house has consumed me, and the reproach of those who have approached has fallen on me. We can see there. You can see in there. This is what this is what Jesus. This is referencing Jesus. They remember when he is whipping people in the temple, cleaning it out. Um, then the, the disciples are like, "Oh, this was prophesied about him." Then the reproaches of those who have reproached has fallen on me. This is Jesus taking on the sins of us. Then if we shift. Pour out your indignation on them and let your burning anger overtake them. May, the camp of the, may their camp become desolate. Let no one dwell in their tents. For they persecuted him who have struck me down. They re recount the pain of those who have, he has wounded. Add to the punishment upon punishment. That they may have no acquittal from you. And this is a strong words. Let them be blotted out, be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. Prophesy about Jesus' enemies. From a hundred and nine. The encircling me was words of hate. And attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accused me, but I gave myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty, and let his prayer be counted as sin. May his day be few, and make another take his office. We see here that Jesus comes in love, but all his love and good works were rejected and repaid with evil. And then again, we have a call for judgment on the evil. What Peter here is doing is being reminded about these two scriptures. He links these two scriptures to Jesus and to Jesus' enemy. So he's reminded about these two passages and thinking about. Oh, this is what happened. So like I said before, your Judas' name is not there. But it's the prophetic reminding about what will happen to Jesus' enemies. So what is it that Peter would want to do? So one of the men that has accompanied one of the men that have accompanied us during all the time that Jesus went in among, around us, beginning from the baptism of John until he was taken up, those a few days ago, one of these men must become a witness of, of his resurrection. Peter's concerned that they are only 11 now, but Jesus talked about they were supposed to be 12. Okay, so they're missing one, they need to have one more. What is that one more supposed to do? The great calling here is to be the witness of the resurrection. What is what is the what do you call it? what is the requirements? Well, the requirements, as he said, he has to have been with them 
from the time Jesus got baptized by John to just last week. So one commentator says it couldn't actually be very, very many to choose from. But they find two. And here it's just, they find two. The one has lots of names, which, no. uh, So they put four. They put forward Joseph, called Barabbas, who was called Justice, and Matthias. I would pick Matthias just because that's a lot easier than the guy with three names. But uh, it's also one of the things I was reflecting about this. This is one of the things where um, people say, oh, they, you just you made up the Bible. If you made up the Bible, you're not going to write about a guy who has three names. You would just call him John instead of saying, oh, this is the guy who was called this, but he was really called this, but his name was really this. There's no way somebody sitting in somewhere in the Middle East at this point who would make this stuff up. Like this stuff we see on TV, like modern things or stuff or novels, this stuff does not exist at all. This is details that don't make sense unless it was true. Um, uh, yes, but that was just a little bit of, I think it just speaks to the truthfulness of scripture that we have details that don't make any sense if they're not true here. Um, okay, so go back. Uh, there are 120 people. What do they do? They pray. They pray. And then we have this beautiful, beautiful, they have this beautiful understanding that also Jesus exhibits in John when he doesn't want, he doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't want to reveal himself to people at that point because he knows what's in the heart of man. He knows that they would, they would take him and make him king by force. And they wouldn't repent and come to him. So here they pray. God, you know the hearts of men. You know the hearts of all men. And so they pray to God saying, you know the hearts of all men. We, we put these people for you. They pray and they're earnestly seeking God's will. Then they cast lots and Matthias was chosen. Or Matthias was chosen. Like I said, because he had the easiest, easiest name uh -huh. um. Oh, there, there it was. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show us which of these you have chosen to take the place in the ministry of the apostles from which Jesus turned aside to go to his own place. Just the beauty of like, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Uh, so they cast lots. So is this an endorsement of uh, gambling? Uh, no, it is not. Uh, and Matthias is probably not the saint, painted trick, saint of all gamblers and different things. Um, this is not what it is. Um, casting lots has a long tradition uh, in the Jewish tradition. Um, uh, the Jewish high priest would actually carry two things, they think, the Urim and the Thurim. Uh, they would use them used them to determine which animal had to die and which animal was going to be set free at the Day of Atonement. Um, they would also use it, we see it later, it's going to be used, uh, casting lots is going to be used to be how to divide the land, uh, how to uh, figure out who's guilty. We have that uh, a few times in Exodus. And then you also have uh, Saul being appointed a king when he's hiding about the baggage. They go through the different tribes and then and then finally. So that it is a tradition that they do it. Um, so we have this. Uh, oh, I have this one. We have this verse. 
that maybe some people would use that gambling is okay or you should just uh, because God always knows, but that doesn't mean you should gamble or uh, because you don't know what God's going to do. Um, so you have from Proverbs 33, the Lord is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So Lord knows everything. There is no such thing as chance. A luck is a Greek goddess. God is always in control. He knows everything. Then I have this uh, commentary from this Jewish people. Um, they, they are what it seems... Uh, seem to adopt such a way of prayer, uh, prayerfully submitting the decision-making process to God's will. Secondly, casting the lots came only after disciples had done their best to, spe to specific, specifically specify that word and, and qual the qualification and identify the most suitable candidates. In other words, the lot was not used to decide between the 120, but between a short list of candidates with equal qualifications. The church also made some very important decisions calling together the parties concerning having this meeting. And Matthias has never heard of again. <laughs> and also a note from last week. Last week we had, um, they were coming back and then they, they came together with uh, Jesus and his brothers and Jesus' his mother. And that's actually the last time we hear anything about Jesus' mother also. We got to do that last time. But, um, so we don't hear about Matthias again and we don't hear about Jesus' mother again. You might be saying online, and you might be saying, what does that have to do with anything today? Well, it's good you ask, because that's the next thing I want to talk about. What do we learn about God in this passage? What do we learn about waiting that we also talked about last week? The disciples are still waiting. They're waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to become those witnesses that Jesus said they would be. What do they do? We see that God promises. We see in this that the, what God promises will be fulfilled. Jesus, uh, not Jesus, but Peter said the scriptures had to be fulfilled. Old Testament and for us New Testament had to be fulfilled because God is faithful. This will be fulfilled. So that's an encouragement to us and encouragement to them that even the promise that they just got is that Jesus will fulfill the promise that he has said. And for us, Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He promised to come back. He's promised to finish the good work he's done in you and me when he comes back from Philippians. The promises that God gives us, they will come true. So in our waiting, we can hold on, hold fast to God's faithful, and he will accomplish his plan. Therefore, we can trust along with the disciples. We can trust in the waiting. We can even rest in the waiting. This hit me this week because I did not think this week this so was a was a time I was really resting in my waiting. Maybe it's you the same. Maybe you're nervous about a lot of things. Some of you should have been somewhere totally different. Some of you should have been on the other side of the globe. Can I still rest in the trust of God while I'm waiting?
all of Scripture will be fulfilled to the glory of God and our good. Do we believe that? Do we trust that to be true? I think that's some of what we learn from this passage that Peter is encouraging the disciples that what God has promised will come true and will be fulfilled. I think the view has a high view of Scripture here. This passage reminds us that both the Old Testament and New Testament, we believe, is, in, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Peter says it here that David spoke by the, Spirit, by, the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is about to be a refrain, and he's going to use that on Pentecost as well. And Jesus talks about it as well when he talks about the Lord said to my Lord. He said that David spoke by the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament, New Testament is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We can trust Him. We can therefore also trust just like the first point. We can trust God is going to do what He says He will do. That I think is very encouraging. We can trust God. We can trust His Word. One of the things that as I was just going through is what we learn, what we learn. But I think we also learned something really, really important here. Yet Jesus says, and I was reminded about this, that Jesus says to the people on the road to Emmaus, talks from the prophets, law and the prophets, and she talks about how the suffering servant had to die. He reminds them about the Old Testament. It's about Jesus, the one that was to come. And he says to, I don't know if I have that one. No, I don't have that one. He, said, he says to the critics at some point, you search the scriptures, it's John 5, uh, 39, you search the scriptures because you think, think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The scriptures is about a relationship. The scriptures are about Jesus. It's about relationship. How we can have a relationship with God. Scriptures, the scriptures is not primarily about duty and religion and task. They are referring to the one who's going to come in a relationship with him. Not just about if I just do this, if I do this, then, I'll, then God would acknowledge me. But about faith, trusting, worshiping Jesus, and witness about his life, death, resurrection, ascending, and his coming back. Old Testament, New Testament, inspired by God, reminds us of Jesus, who is, who they are talking about, and of the relationship we can have with God. That is about relationship and not just. Um, observing a list of duties but actually relationship repenting of our own way turning to God having a sense of giving and following Jesus by glad obedience and not grumbling because the scriptures is about Jesus and relationship with him we can trust him like Peter, we can trust the scriptures. We can trust and memorize, recall and meditate and enjoy it. Enjoy the beauty of the scriptures. Enjoy the beauty of what they say about who God is. And I 
know for many of you, you have experienced this. You have experienced sitting there with the scriptures and you have seen the beauty of God. You have felt the relationship. You have felt the peace. You have felt the joy. You have felt the worship. And, because, and by contrast, into that. How does it make you feel to scroll through your social media feed? We look through the news. We listen to everybody complain and see the brokenness of the world. It probably raises up a lot more frustration. Not peace. Not joy. But spending time in the beauty of the scriptures. Trusting it. Trusting the relationship. I believe that that's where we find peace, joy, enjoyment of who God is. But then why? <laughs> well, many people would want to know what God's will is. But most of us already know what God's will is. And you'd be like, what? Yeah, because you know the, the first commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole duty of the Lord. The whole duty of a man is to enjoy God forever. But you might say, but what about my, my, my life? I'm looking for a little bit Christian. I'm looking for something a little more specific here. Not just like a, a big command. Well, it's good you're asking because I think that's exactly what the scriptures and relationship can give you. As you're developing that relationship in the scripture, as you're seeking the Lord's will, as you're reading the scriptures, developing the relationship with Him, listening, seeking, then He might actually give you more specific about your life, or at least you would know Him a lot better. And trust him more. And that has a huge impact on how you live in your life. We see the disciples pouring their lives out in prayer. Also, last time, they're praying in unity. They devoted themselves to prayer. They're trusting and believing that God hears their prayer and responses in the way that God can in his time. Prayer. Not of our relationship with God. First of all, we gotta trust. We actually gotta trust that He's there, that He actually cares for us, that He actually is trustworthy. Then we can go to Him in prayer. We go to Him through the Scriptures because the Scriptures are trustworthy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, communicating Him to us, us to Him through prayer, communication. And then there's one more thing to be encouraged about. The main mission they're given last week and this week is to be witnesses of Jesus. To proclaim what has happened. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended, and he's coming back. There's so much focus, and we're going to continue with that focus through the Acts, that they will be witnesses of the resurrection. Because that's something really important. It's actually something they were looking forward to. 
the resurrection. The resurrection that symbolized, symbolized Jesus did it first, but it was going to symbolize that we will be raised again as well. It was, going to, it's going to, it was going to show that Jesus was who he said he was. That he was the Son of God. That all his claims are true. That him and the Father was one. Encouragement to us is we are invited into the same mission. As the disciples, we are asked into the same mission to live our lives out as witnesses of Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not a list. I'm not going to give you 10 things. These are the 10 things you're going to do. No, it's going to be by the relationship developed. By knowing, trusting who God is, trusting His scriptures, developing that relationship through prayer. And then from the overflow of that, our joy will come out to show other people all the things that Jesus has done that can be theirs as well. New life, new creation, sins taken away, joy in the Holy Spirit, joy of everlasting praise to God. With Him. That's the things that I think this passage talks about. How we can trust God, how we can trust the scriptures, how our relationship with Jesus is not one of tasks and duties, but one of enjoyment. And that the scriptures point to who he is. And he's calling us into the same mission as the disciples said. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by our own strong might, but the power of the Holy Spirit, by understanding his relationship, our relationship with him, we will shine as Jesus shines through us and witness about his glory and honor. So that's that's what I had from this passage today. So God's promises is faithful. Scripture is trustworthy. See God's will, pray, our mission is to be witnesses to Christ Jesus and his resurrection. I've written this one thing I would like to just read for us. Just to think about, just to think some things about what God can actually do in and through us. We begin in the power of the Holy Spirit, the true living God in us. The power to do all that God wants to accomplish in and through us. Lord, I just pray that you will help us be more aware of the power that you have in us. That you can save, you can heal, you can help us witness about your great glory. To give hope to the hurting, justice to the oppressed, to be a warrior for the captives. To be, our, to be our protector from the evil one. God, you're our creator, the true and living God. Jesus, show us, call us. Help us to see and tell other people that you offer salvation, a new life in Christ by the Holy Spirit. God, 
I pray we will, that you will overcome our, that you overwhelm our hearts with the love that you have poured into us. That we believe your scriptures, believe your relationship. Lord, and I ask for everybody watching and everybody here, Lord, that it's not about doing ten right things. It's about faith. By faith, trust in God that you sent Jesus to be our offering for sin. And we can repent. Ask for forgiveness and follow you. And Lord, for us that, for us that has done that, Lord, I, I pray for, really myself, helping to enjoy who you are more, day by day. Be overwhelmed with your love and your kindness and your grace and your awesomeness. Lord, help us all to praise and worship you because you're so worthy. And Jesus, that you made all this possible for us. That you're the one we glorify. That we have a great hope that you're coming back to make all things new. Holy Spirit, empower us as we seek to do these things. We ask that in Jesus' name.